Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 401k podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about 401k errors that, you know, should require a plan provider change. Uh, we'll explain that. But, of course, first things first, that 401ksite.com for further information on all our live events. We're going to have a virtual event, national virtual conference, January 26th to the 27th, $2.23 to join, be a part of it. Uh, if you're interested in sponsoring it and being there for giving a 30-minute presentation, sponsorships, the maximum uh, rate is 750 bucks. We have people signing up left and right. Going to have some good content, some interesting uh, virtual content, a little bit different, obviously, from the live events, um, obviously more providers. And we're going to toy with uh, some of the formats. Uh, I think we're going to do uh, 401k Specialist Magazine, John Sullivan, the editor-in-chief for executive editor or whatever title he is. I believe he's editor-in-chief. He's going to lead a roundtable where people like me, Mike Webb, and some other folks, I think we're going to get Bill Shores to, to be involved and kind of like a politically incorrect or whatever that uh, real time with Bill Maher. Is that, is that the show that he has on HBO? I don't know. He, politically incorrect was the ABC show that got canceled after that whole 9-11 comment. But uh, something along those lines where we have a panel discussion, talk about some of the events and unfiltered. And uh, Well, you know me, it's going to be unfiltered. I, of course, will offend some people with my frankness, but uh, it should be a lot of fun. Um, and, of course, we're sending more plan providers to be part of it and whatnot. It's going to be a two-day event, you know, work schedule, uh, you know, worker-friendly. You can watch it at work uh, if they allow you. If you can't, you could certainly... Uh, catch it on YouTube later when we when we post it uh, on the uh, YouTube channel. Uh, go to that 4 for information. Detroit's going to be May 3rd. Um, right now we're in a holding pattern with Arlington, Texas, because Arlington, Texas's date is dependent on whether we land Oakland or not for April. Um, I think Milwaukee might be September. We'll see what happens, but we know that, rest assured, uh, May 3rd, we will be in Detroit at Comerica Park. So talking about 401k errors that would require plan provider change, I mean, you know, plan provider changes could be a TPA, could be a financial advisor. Uh, right now, uh, as we speak, Yankees uh, finished off their season not too uh, favorably. Um, they got swept by the Astros, who I'm rooting for in the World Series, merely just because I don't like the Phillies, and I'd like to see Dustin Baker finally win a World Series. Um, Houston was uh, an event that we uh, had in September 2021, one of the ones that we rescheduled from 2020. Um, out of all the September events, that was the best attended one, um, September 2021. And of course, you know, at that time, anytime you schedule an event, there was like a new variant that was going to scare people away, but Houston was a great event. Uh, Phil Garner was a great guest. Um, Houston's a great town. Wish I could have stayed there a little bit longer. Uh, knowing my son uh, and his desire to be at you know 30 ballparks that I've been to, uh, that's one of the 13 that he hasn't, so eventually I'll probably have to go back to Houston. But that's who I'm bringing for the World Series. But talking about the Yankees again, uh, Aaron Boone's been manager for quite some time. They've never been to the World Series under his management. Yankees haven't been to the World Series in 15 years, so my measly Mets, who've had so many problems over the years, they are the last time a New York team has been to the World Series, and that was 2015. For the Yankees, you know, it's really a big deal that they haven't been to the World Series since 2009. Um, 
you know, this, it's kind of reminding me of the drought that the Yankees had from 81 to 96 when, you know, Steinbrenner was in charge and firing managers left and right. And uh, they had a whole lot of hitting, uh, not a lot of pitching. Guys like Winfield, Manley, Henderson, Ricky Henderson, and it just didn't matter. So, you know, there's a, there's a question, well, are they going to fire Andrew Boone? I think it's time, but, you know, I'm not Brian Cashman, general manager of the Yankees. I'm not Hal Steinbrenner, the managing partner of the Yankees. So I, I can't tell you. But when it comes time to the time of the plant providers, there are certain errors and mistakes and things that are, you know, when the ball gets dropped, that really should require a plant provider change, where it's like, you know, I don't like to have change for the sake of change. I think there has to be a good reason for it. And uh, number one is problems with uh, Form 5500. You know, TPA not doing the 5500, not getting it prepared, or, you know, loaded with errors. Uh, that's, uh, that's a problem. Uh, if you have lots of errors on the Form 5500, that could certainly be a trigger for an IRS uh, and or DOL audit. Um, you know, uh, if the plan sponsor is given correct data on their mistakes in the 5500, that's on the TPA, obviously. If the plan sponsor gives incorrect data, then the TPA fills it out, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Um, you know, it's less blame, less blame, less blame on the TPA when the plan sponsors goofs as well. Next on the list is obviously failure to amend the plan document. Um, you know, we just had that six-year cycle end in July. Plans not restated, and the TPA is responsible for restating the document because they have an in-house legal department. That's a problem. Again, I spent you know almost ten years working in-house for TPAs, and you know if we drop the ball, we drop the ball, and. Uh, Thankfully, we didn't drop the ball. Um, you know, that was one of the infuriating times, um, you know, working at one TPA especially, when there was no master client sheet. So no master client sheet means you had to beg every administrator for a list of their clients, and then you had to cherry pick and f find out which documents you didn't do, because then you had to go against the system. And one or two times there was a mistake, and... Needless to say, uh, we sent out a letter to uh, a client of one very well-known ERISA attorney. Um, you know, we charged two thousand dollars, it's twenty-five hundred dollars for a document for you know, uh, Relias, you know, a volume submitter. Her firm charged a lot more. Uh, she chewed me out over the phone. Thought it was the end of it, and she, of course, had to complain to my boss and. Can't say oops, you know. At the end of the day, uh, you're only dependent on the information that you get, and you know that was like the one time we goofed, and that, that was bad. But you know, we we didn't you know miss a client in terms of you know making sure there was a restate plan document. Um, you know, we again we had the deadline for the uh, cycle three restatements, uh, ancillary amendments, whatnot. If the TPA fails to properly have those documents restated or let the clients know that they have to be restated. Um, you know, that was a problem. And of course, I've always talked about the time sending out those letters uh, for ancillary amendments, restatements. Oh, the bosses loved it. That was just such a great source of revenue. You know, do the numbers, 750 clients times $2,000. That's... Uh, it's a whole chunk of, you know, it's well over a million bucks. 
that's great. That's gravy. But, uh, you know, I didn't get a piece of that. And when you're sending out letters to clients, you always get the, um, you know, dot, you know, always get the, you know, the damn response that, uh, you know, you're just, you're just doing a mail merge document. Um, you know, for the ancillary amendments, it's mostly true. Um, for the restatements, if they knew how to, you know, do the documents, not necessarily, and uh, it's gotten a lot easier to restate plain documents thanks to Relive software that's uh, ASP based. It's not that software that was a monstrosity, um, so it's a lot easier to, to fix and whatnot. But you know, there it, it, it's it's a little bit more than a mail merge. But again, if a TP fails to, to to get those documents restated, that's a problem. Uh, obviously, lack of fee transparency is an issue. In this day and age, it's 2022, or 10 years past the fee disclosure requirements. Um, if uh, plant providers aren't providing uh, the uh, disclosure forms in terms of uh, fee disclosure, um, that's a problem. If it's not clear as to what fees are being paid on the fee disclosure, that's a problem too. Um, you know, this day and age, uh, there should be no reason for um, these types of issues coming up uh, in this day and age. And again, I think that that's, you know, one way of, um, you know, discovering that maybe it's time to, to change plan providers. Obviously, incorrect uh, discrimination testing results, that's a big deal. Um, you know, whole host of discrimination testing, you know, deferrals, participation, matching, top-heavy. As long as the plan sponsor, you know, puts out correct information. It's up to the TPA to figure all things out. And sometimes the slip-ups are so bad that you can't really blame the plan sponsor. Perfect example, um, had a law firm client, worked on their plan documents quite some bit, and then there was an issue dealing with um, a top-heavy test. And uh, one of the partners had a wife and daughter working for the firm. Now, the administrator of the plan, let's just say I worked with her at that CPA years earlier, and she was one of those, that I, I, I don't always I don't say it nicely. You know, you have administrators who could have two to three years experience, and you have certain administrators who got 20 years experience, yet the, the one with the two to three years experience is, might be better because they actually got better training. So this woman had about 20 years experience. Uh, she clearly didn't know what she was doing. Uh, didn't include them in the top heavy test. Um, and so they said, you know, look, you passed. And of course, years later, they went, uh, I think they went to the Newport Group. Um, Newport Group, obviously, looking over the stuff, looked at the top heavy test and says this was done all incorrectly. And unfortunately, it was done all incorrectly. And uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, uh, it was me, <laughs> it was me all along who uh, demanded that the TPA fork over money to fix this error, and, and they did. And, um, you know, a, a TPA is hired for the experience when it comes to administration record keeping. If they operate negligently, it's really time to let them go. No point in, in saving them and keeping them if they're going to make some kind of error. Or, you know, again, if a named partner is there and, you know, if uh, Jones is a partner uh, and 
the people will have the same last name. Well, I think it's up to the TPA to ask. Are, are there any relation? But it wasn't even Jones. It was an Italian surname, which it was. And when it was an Italian surname, it was not exactly something that was, um, you know, uh, a popular Italian surname. It was really specific. So there, you know, you have you have to be crazy not to figure out that uh, that we're probably you know re related to the name partner. Next, um, you got a TPA plan sponsor consistently failing discrimination tests, especially ADP HCP tests. If the TPA isn't discussing with the plan sponsor as to the design alternatives, like a safe harbor plan design or quaka and all that kind of stuff, then I think it's time to say goodbye. Um, you know, again, I, I worked on a plan years ago with, uh, with, um, uh, they had a payroll provider TPA, a payroll provider TPA never discussed safe harbor issues, um, and not, didn't even, just even talk to them about a QNEC solution. So the owner of the company had to lose $10,500 of her deferral when a $7,500 QNEC would have fixed the problem. It said it right then and there in, in the paperwork, and it was just amazing that the, uh, payroll provider CPA just and say, hey, uh, you know, you could save a couple bucks by putting in a QNEC instead of forking over, um, you know, 80% of your deferrals. Uh, next, um, obviously, incorrect contribution allocations. Um, uh, and, and it happened quite a bit when I worked for TPA and there was a new plan coming over and they goofed on the allocations. Um, you know, if it's, especially if it's a new comparability plan design or whatnot. And, uh, you know, it happens quite a bit, surprisingly, and there could be some incorrect allocations based on an incorrect definition of compensation. It happens all the time where, you know, TPA fails to include bonuses as part of compensation. So every allocation is done incorrectly, you know, for any participant who got a bonus. But any incorrect contribution allocations can certainly create a headache if there's, you know, uh, increased contribution, you could certainly take it back, forfeit it. If it's less than what was required by the plain document, you know, then a corrective contribution plus earning adjustments have to be made and whatnot. And that's a mistake. For next, for the advisor, lack of an IPS or inv and investment review. Back in the days, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, um, and I think that probably because of proliferation of social media and whatnot, I think plan sponsors these days now realize that you know they need an investment policy statement, they need a um, investment review, um, and the problem is that um, you know back in the day you had advisors getting a quarterly fee and, and not showing up. So I used to calling the term milk carton advisors where you haven't seen the advisor so long you should put them on a milk carton because they're missing but they weren't missing when it came time to collecting their quarterly fee so years ago I, I did a plan review I've told the story a thousand times advisor was getting paid 60 basis points on a 14 million dollar plan so you do the math it's eighty four thousand dollars a year I do the review of the plan and whatnot and I said to the plan sponsor hey do you you know, does your advisor meet you and have an IPS and do investment review and all that stuff? And the answer was no. So I said, you're paying somebody 84 grand to not show up. 
And needless to say, they hired a 338 um, uh, fiduciary for less than a third of the price, and they went on along their merry way and, and, and you know, made the change because, uh, to me, paying $84,000 a year for a person not to do their job is quite a lot of money. Plant participants, educating plant participants, obviously, it's a 404C plan. You have an advisor on the plan, you know, they have to do a little bit more than just providing Morningstar profiles and an SPD or, you know, a one-page review of all the assets and whatnot. It means, you know, they need to have enrollment meetings, education meetings. Um, it's important um, that the bases get covered. Um, at the end of the day, uh, the plan sponsor is going to be on the hook for not providing enough information to plan participants, so it's advisable that they do something um, with the uh, investments in the plan and, and just and, and figure it all out. Next, obviously, lack of an ERISA bond. Um, you know, ultimately, it's the plan sponsor's responsibility to get one. Uh, but, you know, I work a lot of TPAs on plans that I run and whatnot, and they do ask uh, 5,500 times, what's the, what's the policy? Um, you know, what's your ERISA bond policy? How much does it cover? It's somebody doing their job, uh, saying uh, to the plan sponsor, "Do you have one? Yes or no?" And you say no, and you just they just check the box that there's no risk of bond in the plan, as required. You know, DOL eventually is going to come around and audit the plan. So I don't think it's uh, uh, you know, you know, again, the TPA will ultimately say, "Oh well, the plan sponsor's responsibility." Guys, your professionals, um, proper 401k administration is a difficult job and you need to cover all your bases and they need to cover their rear ends. And uh, Saying, uh, oh, uh, the plan sponsor should have gotten that bond. We didn't follow up on them. It's, it's just really no excuse. You know, when you're, I think one of the things when I was younger, uh, working for that TPA that, was, you know, I, 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 it, it, it was what it was, but, you know, Ultimately, you know, I realize this, and you know, the older you get, the wiser you get. I think sometimes you also get crotchier too. But uh, I realize, you know, looking back, just blaming everything on the administrators wasn't the greatest thing, even though they were incompetent. Ultimately, you know, you just can't, you know, just you made a mistake, you made a mistake going up to it. So you know, I should have, you know, I made a mistake with uh, what's her name's uh, clients um, and sending them out a letter. You know, she wanted to charge four times more than we were. To, that was up to her. But, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, you got to take responsibility. And I think a TPA can't just say, again, that, uh, you know, it was up to the plan sponsor to get the bond. I didn't follow up with them on it. Because, again, ultimately, a TPA is a professional, advisor is a professional. Plan sponsors hire these folks to do their job and to follow up and to cover all the bases. And you just can't, you know. You know, just put your arms up and say, well, listen, it's, it's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. The plan sponsors don't want to hear that. And again, I think that the bond issue is one of those really easy mistakes that is just a trigger for the DOL and IRS to, to audit a plan. Because to me, that that's a sign of a plan that's just not in compliance. It's a telltale sign. And, and again, a, a TPA just can't raise up their arms and say, you know what, uh, they just can't do that. That's just how I see it. But uh, 
we hope, uh, we, we hope, well, I hope that you enjoyed this episode of that 401k podcast. Um, we'll be back next week for another episode. And again, go to that 401k site.com for further information, all live events, the virtual event, Detroit, Rock City, and all the other cities that eventually will come to. Now that San Diego's San Diego and the Yankees are out of the World Series, we'll try to negotiate there, see if we can come to some sort of arrangement. I know San Diego is one of the cities I'd like to go to. Cost was an issue, so uh, Larry is getting a uh, former Padre great to negotiate on their behalf. Uh, and that former Padre great is also a former Dodger great, and he helped land... That event, Dodger Stadium, that we had uh, in 2019, which was a great event. He was our guest, so I don't want to name drop, but he was able to get us a discounted rate. Hopefully, he could have that kind of sway in San Diego and we could bring him back as the guest in San Diego. But we'll see what's happening with that. Uh, go to that 4 for further information. And again, next week, another episode. Thanks. Bye.